Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And welcome to Security Insecure, hosted by Johnny Seifert. This is the podcast that I say it's okay to not be okay. And if you have the same mantra as me, then before we get to today's guest, please subscribe to Security Insecure while you're listening. And at the end of the episode, leave a five-star rating and a review. Now, let me tell you about my guest today. I guess today you'll know from the best season of Love Island back in 2017, getting to third place. Since then, he's been a TV presenter with his various shows alongside his best friend on the show, Ken Cessnay. And for the past few years, he's been the face of ITV Racing. However, from a personal perspective, he's also been on a journey when it comes to his mental health. And in this conversation, we're going to hear about his anxiety and depression. So if you want more information, please call the Samaritans on 116123 or visit samaritans.org. So as with thanks to Bumble, we're having this important conversation. I'm delighted to welcome two seconds ago, TV star, horse rider and golfer. It's Chris Hughes. Hello, Chris. Hey, Johnny. You all right, mate? I'm all right, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad at all. I want to start with you because we're only a month in difference in age. And I had a big kind of moment when I turned 30 last November. You turned 30 last December. How's life changed for you? And what were your feelings around turning 30? Do you know what? I actually think about it a lot less now, age. I think it's just become... Age is just not a thing anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, it used to be such a thing, didn't it? Like, where people would, like, you know, age would determine what you were doing in life and where you'd be, all that kind of stuff. I don't feel like, to me, it certainly doesn't feel like that's much of a a conversation. I don't feel like people are too invested by, you know, where people are in their lives, depending on their age and whatever. So it was just another birthday, to be honest. I didn't even really want to celebrate it massively. I know it's like 30 is a turning point, but it just felt like... I still feel like I'm 21, do you know what I mean? So makes no odds to me. I still reach out to my mum when I need some advice and some help and all that kind of thing. I like going home and cooked for and like, you know, I, everything will just be done for me. Mum will do my washing every now and then. I know it's really random stuff, but it kind of is everything which kind of makes you feel like you haven't grown up. So obviously I live on my own now. So I don't have those beauties of just like popping home and and just being, you know, a proper teenager like I used to be when I was still in school and everything. So it's just, I don't know, it's just like, it's my personality, really. I'm just, I'm very young at heart, and I always will be. I mean, I'm just quite a carefree spirit. You know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I am who I am, and it's no secret, you know, if if I'm in a mood, I'm in a mood. If I'm emotional, I'm emotional, and everybody can see that. So, yeah, I just, you know, keep things ticking over, and I do the things I enjoy doing, playing golf, riding horses, stuff like that, and, yeah, it makes me feel good. 
I'm so pleased that you say your mum still does your washing at 30 years old because mine does as well. And I think it's that thing of it gives them a sense of responsibility that they yeah. still, they've got a young. They son. love it still. My mum oh, they do. loves it. Oh, big time. They they pretend they don't, but they at, when because I'm the youngest of five. My mum is like, if I come home, she loves the fact that she can still wait hands. She misses all of that. Oh, I bet. I bet. Let's talk about that then, going home. Let's talk about growing up in the Cotswolds because it's very different to the life you have now. And I suppose being in such a beautiful setting, but a very rural setting where it's a lot more close-knit, but also it's probably hard for you to find out who you really are because it's so small out having all those problems yeah. around you. What was it like for you growing up, Chris, in the 90s in the Cotswolds? Like you just said, it's such a small area. Like When you look at... Um sort of, you know, going on to, to getting onto like a, a big reality TV show and, and doing everything that I've done in TV now. It kind of feels like when you're in areas like that, you, you look around you and you look at like contestants on shows, they're all from the city. Do you know what I mean? Whether it's like Manchester, London, Essex, Liverpool, like all that kind of thing. Like no one's really kind of from the sticks. Everyone's from it. So, you know, I felt like amazing, lovely part of the world to live, but you kind of don't, I don't feel like you properly spread your wings, if you know what I mean, and, and see everything for what it is. And yeah, it was growing up as a kid, it was great though. I mean, I was so free. That's how I, you know, I've done all the stuff I love today was, was based on that. I used to go and play golf with my mates. I used to ride racehorses from the age of 12 years old. I had my own ponies, my own horses as well. They were kept at racing yards. And that's how I kind of got into the swing of things. Growing up with the people I grew up with in the Cotswolds, we all had similar interests. And that kind of like led on to my interest as an adult. Obviously, you know, that's a natural progression, isn't it? The stuff you love as a kid, you, you learn to love as an adult as well. And uh, yeah, I'm blessed in a certain, but I mean, I mean, I absolutely love the Cotswolds. I go back there when I, honestly, when I need to like freshen my head or I want to get home, or I feel a bit like bogged down. I love going home because it's just so chilled out. It's so relaxed, so much countryside and all you see is greenery. And I know it's how much like the weather can affect your mood and stuff like that. And, levels of serotonin you know i get that from being in, in the countryside fresh air birds singing and it's just it's lovely i've taken my friends have come visiting in the cotswolds and um i remember when one of them came up he was like I just smell the air just smells so fresh up here and it's like i would never know the difference even if i went to like london so i just like i take it for granted and stuff but i feel like yeah people you know they love coming out there and it's just a night. Yeah, you've got to do it. If you're coming up, you might as well have a day to yourself just to just chill out and do your own thing. Let's talk about your mental health, mate. Where do you want your journey? Because you've obviously spoken about a lot. We've spoken about it many times, me and you as well. There's a lot of things everyone does know. What do they not know about your mental health journey that as you turn 30 years old, I know it's not that important for you to turn 30, but there are going to be moments where you look back now at your 20s, at your teenagers and go, those were defining moments I never realised until now. So what do people not know about your mental health that they need to know? So I was around 21 when I first experienced anxiety, right? And, and this is going back nine years. And when you go back nine years to discuss mental health, it was not a topic which is discussed the, the way it is today. And I think like, that was one of the toughest components. Of, like, honestly, I had to reset. I didn't know what this feeling was when I was feeling like it all came after a night out. And it was the next day and it, like, it lasted for months initially, like the first bout of anxiety. And it was awful. Like it was awful. I didn't want to go to bed at night because that was when my mind would do overtime. Honestly, be led in bed and I'd get up at like 10 o'clock and I'd there was a 24-hour gym not far from that. I'd go to the gym just to do something because if I was active, I'd be forgetting stuff. And it would kind of give me a distraction. So that period of time, I spoke to my mum about it. This is why the conversation around mental health has got so much 
better and it's so good the way it is now like when I came off you know I found ways of coping with that when I was younger and when I was in my early 20s and I found like little coping mechanisms keeping myself busy I find the people who I was comfortable speaking to you know I had a few years where things were great you know and then I went on Love Island and that was great I come off that very busy doing all that kind of thing And, and, and then I feel like the conversation around mental health completely magnified you know there were campaigns I was doing works with the likes of Calm the charity campaign against living miserably you saw the statistics on male suicide you know three and four suicides are male related you know they're staggering components and it helps you obviously understand the stigma around it you know that men don't talk like women do that had to change and obviously you know you see all the work the big tv production companies do like the likes of itv and bbc around mental health and how much sport has come along to in terms of getting people to talk adverts stuff that we're doing now tvs podcasts everything like that radio it's such a conversation now normalizing it was the key component you know normalizing mental health and the discussion around it because we all struggle from time to time it's a very normal thing and that's the important thing to understand you know nobody's alone in this and it's making people feel comfortable being able to speak to themselves so seeing the way that 10 years ago was when i first had my mental health sort of like the outbreaks in terms of what i was struggling with and then 10 years on seeing how much like right in the middle of that the whole conversation changed and there was loads more education around it is a great thing you know because obviously people in this day and age they know a lot more about it and and you can help prepare yourself also find ways to cope with it well how did you find it because obviously when you did love island in 2017 it wasn't really being spoken about obviously we know they've done massive changes when it comes to aftercare everything obviously that happened since with contestants presenting etc etc but when you came out and suddenly you were thrusted into the limelight you know it's not like the case you've gone on the show and you can watch social media at the same time you've gone on a tv show you've come back to london everyone is talking about love and you know your series was the biggest series of all of them how did you do that mental health of going i've now got this purpose but for everyone and i can't do anything alone now because anything i do is being scrutinized you know i know we're going detail about what you you know things that have happened but we all know you know there's been certain press articles about you through the years how many do you deal with that because you aren't that. You're Chris Hughes from the Cotswolds, who's 30 years old. You just yeah. so have got into TV and racing as well. It was hard. It was that pole transition was very difficult in the respect that you also soon realised, like I had a big naivety towards it. You know, everything I said was essentially then scrutinised in the public eye. You know, it was like you couldn't even defend yourself in situations where you knew you were, say there were things where you just, you hadn't been involved in or you were completely innocent, but stuff was being written about you. Even if you have a say in that, that gets, you know, that then becomes a headline and stuff. And the amount of anxiety I got just from being in the public eye, you know, it, it levels you out quite quickly, to be honest, because you soon get to the point where, you know, everything you do say is, you know, can be made into something. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was tough. But, you know, coming out of Love Island instantly, it was amazing. You know, it was, it was really fun. The show was brilliant. Loved every, I loved everything about it. And I loved, loved the whole aftermath. But it's more stuff which happened then in my personal life whilst being in the public eye. That's obviously all the stuff which then becomes, you know, very difficult. I mean, there was stuff which involved other people which I was never involved in, which then, you know, my my name was being torn around. And I was just like, I've got this is like completely nothing to do with me. But like if I speak, it's like then it's like everything's scrutinized. So. Yeah, it took me a while to learn that, but I have learned and, and you do learn. I think it's never easy being in the public eye, but again, like going back to sort of like linking that just to mental health in general, 
is something that you know we all struggle with. It doesn't you don't need to be in the public eye or not. I mean, it's just it's a very very common thing. And it's when like when we came out, did a campaign with Top Man and Calm, and it was a, a load of Chris campaign, and we did this like it was a, it was a stunt essentially for twenty four hours. It'd be like. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I've been selling this like mineral infused water with like my tea infused in it. So it was like people were giving me so much stick. We had billboards, it was on all the radio stuff. It was like, why is, you know, why is Chris thinks he's come off a show and able to sell a, a bottle of water with his tea infused in it? And I was so much stick for 24 hours. And then obviously the campaign was revealed and it wasn't ludicrous. It was ludicrous. And it was ludicrous that men bottle up their emotions. You know, it was like a suicide prevention campaign. And the statistics from it were, were unbelievable. The outreach, the impressions it got. And they're the kind of things which make you feel really proud about the stuff that you do from being in the public eye. And that was an amazing campaign. I'll always remember it. It was something I was proud to be involved in. And that just showcased for me then, going back, looking back five years, how much that conversation had just blown up around mental health because I'd never seen anything like that beforehand and it was around five six years ago where as a nation and as people we took the conversation around mental health more seriously and I suppose in a way it helps your superpower of being a celebrity and the fact that when things did crop up you could have those conversations around your friends and actually be able to be more vulnerable more open because number one you had the knowledge about it and number two you needed everyone else to know that you are protected, that you are mentally okay when certain things came up. How has that yeah. changed with your group of friends, those conversations? And especially like, obviously back then you did the campaign and there have been certain things that have happened in the past seven years that have affected you. But what about the times now, like for example now, where mentally you're more stable, you're more okay and everything's just ticking along. Are those conversations still happening with your friends now, or do they only come and go when it needs to be? Yeah, uh, see, this is the thing. Like the beautiful thing about it, like you just said, is people are aware of 
my mental state, like my friends and stuff, and they've seen the stuff that I've done and the campaigns I've done, and they understand it more. So I feel like that's where, we, when we encourage people to go, look, open up, have a conversation with people, that's the hardest part, you know, having that initial conversation, because that's the bit where people think, oh, it's a bit awkward, you know, boys going down to the pub, having a drink, watching the football with their mate, how do I get this conversation flowing? Once you've had that conversation, you'll know then who you're comfortable speaking to. You'll know then that that conversation, you can bring that up in the future if you're feeling bad and you don't need to do all the explanatory kind of points of view of why you're feeling like this because you've already had that conversation. Like Once you've got that initial conversation out of the way, it lifts a big burden on you and it makes you feel like you've got somebody there to go to that you can speak to and that conversation is very normal. So well, we still talk about it, like I've got four brothers, but there's one of them that I feel most comfortable speaking to out the, out the mall if, you know, if I'm feeling a bit rubbish and that's my oldest brother, but that's like, that's just because even within my brothers, I have like, we've all got a great relationship with each other, but there's always someone you feel like, there's always someone in life you feel a bit more comfortable and open speaking to about things. And, and it's the same with which friends I choose to speak about stuff to. I've, but I've got that support base and that's the important thing. Like I've got those people that I know I can speak to if I'm feeling rubbish. They'll pick up the phone to me. They'll go, oh, let's go out. We'll play some golf tomorrow. We'll do something, take your mind off it. That's the beauty about it. Like in... And that's, they're just part of, you know, a coping mechanism for me, you know, when I get a bit anxious or where I feel low again. Absolutely. Well, look, let's talk happier things. Let's talk about this campaign with Bumble because mm. I absolutely love this campaign. It's all about openness, about mental health when you're dating. Yeah. I'm noticing a lot more people are speaking about their mental health and saying they're an advocate and I'll go, oh, I've got a mental health podcast. Or I'll say, I like being vulnerable. This is such a superpower, I think, when it comes to dating now, is to be open about your mental health. So yes. when you are dating, when do you have those conversations? Obviously, people will know you in the public eye. Yeah. But how should be people be having those conversations? What's your research showing, Chris? Yeah. Well, I'm with you on this. Like these days, I think this is a, like brilliant research. And genuinely, when you're linking dates, date, like relationships are hugely important. Like we know that. Like they're a massive part of life. And I always feel like if you're not comfortable speaking to the person that you're with about your mental health and you're worried that it you know, will put a burden on it and you don't want to like put your worries onto them, it shouldn't be like that. So this is, yeah, this is really encouraging. Over two thirds of people would prefer to start a relationship with an understanding of a potential partner's mental health, which is obviously great. You know, it means that people are open to understanding about their mental health, which is good. Four in five people also believe that being open about mental health and well-being with their partner can lead to a better connection. Again, they're statistics which are hugely encouraging for anybody who's struggling with their mental health, who has days where they feel a bit low and they've got anxiety. You know, the majority of people, you know, are comfortable and, and would like to have that conversation and think it leads to a better connection. That's hugely encouraging because I think there's a lot of people out there, especially with dating, who think I'm a bit worried. You know, I, I suffer with anxiety and I don't want to get in a relationship. So I don't want to put my strain on people. Those statistics, you know, say it all. You know, the percentage of people think it leads to a better relationship, they're open to hearing about it. And another interesting one is a third of people, well, are happy for their partner to discuss their mental well-being on or before the second date. So it's like when you're going on a first date, it's like you always want, you know, you're excited for it, you don't want to really talk about it too much, but a third of people are happy for their partner to openly discuss that, which again is, is great. It shows how good we are as a nation, as listeners, but we need to obviously feel comfortable as being talkers and, and being the people on the other side and being able to express how we feel. So Bumble have done great work with that research. I know it will make a lot of people who are using the, the dating sites like that a lot more comfortable with being able to be open about their mental well-being as you should be that's the thing like you should be able to feel completely comfortable 
with who you're speaking to or who you're dating, discussing those things. Because it's a strength as well. Like, to be open and talk about your emotions. That's a strength within a relationship. I feel like relationships are a lot harder when people are more closed off. They're not accepting to the stuff that they're going through or their own emotions. That then becomes very difficult, I think, within a relationship. So hopefully it can, uh, yeah, lead to stronger relationships for people. I 100% agree with you. And it's having that confidence to do it for yourself. And I had this the other week. I was talking to a girl. And we started texting and she didn't answer. And I went to sleep overnight and she hadn't answered. And you know what some girls like? It will take them like two days to answer. Yeah, yeah. And I was getting really paranoid. And I think I said something like, just checking on this. I've got paranoia. I get paranoid because I started thinking everything. Did I upset you? Blah, 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 blah. She's like, oh, no, I've been at work. She then didn't really go back for it. And I think it's the power of saying to have the confidence to talk about your mental health. It might not be reciprocated. It might not be accepted. But the more you do it, the more you speak about your mental health, the more that the energy going out will come back to you and the right person will come along and the right girl yeah. will come to you about their mental health and then you've got that connection. But yeah. start talking. Some people accept it, some people won't. That's what I took away from that. You know, looking at this research, the percentage of people will accept it. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah, you've got to be yourself. You've got to be open and on the dating apps like Bumble. They've got a safety wellbeing centre within their, within their app, which is, you know, obviously great. You know, having that self-care there is a way that people can, can also look after themselves and, and there's self-care interest badges now that you can put on the website, whether it's therapy, you know, deep chats, you know, whether it's nutrition, all of that kind of like those self-care interest badges, you know, is a way to kind of showcase to other people yourself. It allows that transparency within a relationship. So I feel like, yeah, it, it, communication, let's be honest, when something lacks communication, it doesn't even need to be a relationship. It can be anything in life. It can be something between work colleagues. Communication is literally key. Without communication, nothing works. So being able to have that is, I, I always think in life, communication is one of the most important things people can have in order to resolve things and, and make things successful. Well, you'll never know why someone is the way they are until you ask them. You mentioned Bumble, you mentioned uh, their safety settings. You've obviously explored it quite a lot. As a showbiz journalist, it'd be rude for me not to ask, what is the dating life of Chris Hughes at the moment? I'm pretty, um, pretty chilled would be the word I described. I'm, uh, um, I'm obviously single. I'm not massively dating at the minute, to be honest. I think this is the important thing as well. Like you, you've got to take time out to yourself to, you don't have to be dating all the time as a way to feel like you're achieving much. Like I, it's good to take time out as well. And again, that's something you can do, you know, on the app. You can have a, you can time out and you don't lose your matches and stuff like that, which is obviously hugely important. You feel like you've got to be, you know, proactive all the time. You don't have to be. You take time out for yourself. That's important in life. And that's kind of where I am at the minute. You know, I'm not, I'm not dating. I'm just focusing on me. But you know, I love all this research that goes, because I'm, you know, I, like, I love relationships. I love seeing other people's relationships bond and form and stuff like that. Like everything you see on social media isn't, isn't true. Don't judge your life or where you are on stages of life and other people's relationships in comparison to yours based on social media, because that is like 99% of the time people don't post anything, you know, negative. It's always the good stuff you see. And it's, and it's never like that. I've been there. Jesus, like I've posted stuff on, on socials in the past and it's like, well, I've posted stuff mid-argument and it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not absolutely like, you know, smitten right now, but I posted a picture like I was and it's like, that's just kind of how it is with people, isn't it? You've got to be yourself and we're all, you know, we're all authentic. We're all different. And that's the beauty of life. We're all the same. Life would be very, very boring.
Oh, it would, it would. Final question for you, mate. Look, I miss you and Kem. How are you two together at the moment? Yeah. The sea return of Chris and Kem. I mean, we did a podcast together, which will be out. Kem's just started a new podcast, which is exciting. So we did, we filmed one together a few weeks back. So it was good to catch up with him. Obviously, he's mad busy doing all of his restaurant stuff. And I've got all my racing stuff, the cricket, everything like that. So yeah, we, know we still get together from time to time. No, nothing work-based in line in the future. But yeah, we've done a nice podcast together. We're still in contact all the time. So we're, and again, someone there who we're very supportive of each other and understanding for each other in this industry as well as in, re- in just in general life as well. So he's a great person to have. My thanks to Chris Hughes, to Shelley Cookett at Broadcast Revolution and the team at Bumble for setting up this interview. You've obviously heard about mental health. If you're affected by what you've heard, please contact the Samaritans, samaritans.org or call them on 116123. And if you love Love Island like I do, obviously, there's over 100 Love Island stars on Securian Secure. So go through the library. There's people from every single series. Go and check them out and then go and rate and subscribe to Securian Secure because it's so important you help me spread the word. It's okay to not be okay. So leave that five-star rating, leave a review and share it on your social media to show everyone that you've listen to Circadian Secure. I've been Johnny Seifert. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.